So there's a new lesson. I think Aiden has the notes, right? He's got quite a few handouts. And there's a, uh, it is theology proper, or the, the doctrine of God. First, first quote there, what do we, this is from Tozer, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. And so I thought uh, one thing, when you think about that, you know, when you think about God, what is, if you think about God, what is a word besides God, right? What word comes into your mind, right? Everyone has a picture um, that comes into your mind. Maybe it's a certain characteristic, certain trait. What, is, what pops into your mind when you think about God? Holy. Okay. What else? Sovereign. Almighty. Almighty. Eternal. Mm-hmm. Love. Squeeze two in there. <laughs> I like that. Perfectly righteous. <laughs> it's going to turn into a. else pops in your mind friend so all kinds of traits characteristics um, come into our mind and um, I guess kind of contrast that with uh, what are maybe some things that like when you think about right when the world if, if, if they hear or describe God what are kind of some, some terms that, that come into their mind? When I think about the, the Sistine Chapel ceiling, mm-hmm. the picture of the, build of, of the bearded mm-hmm. God. The bearded God. Mm-hmm. Right, the, in, your, in your handout, right, it's a pure, Einstein, a purely mathematical mind, the cosmic killjoy, the celestial Santa Claus, the sentimental old man, he needs us, right? The the big man upstairs, uh, a terrorist who uses fear to control the divine spark within every individual, right? So there's a lot of different perceptions about right who God is. Um, defining God, right? That's what we're gonna look at as, as theology proper. I looked at, I tried to find if there's any, because you know there's this quote from Einstein. I'll, I'll see if you can guess who's who said this about God. You've got to testify, tell somebody about it, God is good, and this one might give it away at the end. I pity the fool that don't get it. Mr. T. Mr. T, yes. Everyone's got an opinion. Good job, Tara. She wasn't even liked her. I know. I would not, see, I knew that would kind of like, who would know the Mr. T? You never know. The AP. Three runs, of course. Yes. Yeah. So there, everybody's got quotes. I, I saw lots of different quotes that were humorous, disappointing, sometimes, you know, from different people, like, oh, that's what, that's what they would say. So we're going to talk about a lot of these. A lot of these will come up in terms of um, who God is. And one thing that um, I think when we look at these, right, they, they, we have an idea of what these words mean. And so kind of one thing we talked about last time, and they talked about this as well, is that we, we're forming our theology from the scripture. And so it's important that when we um, look at what these categories are, 
right? We allow scripture to give us these terms and define what those terms mean. And so sometimes we may run across verses um, where it seems like, oh, that seems to clash with maybe one of these words that, I'm, that I know is true about God. And so thinking about it and instead of saying, well, I know God is this, so that has to make me interpret the scripture a certain way. Um, we're going to continually go back to the last scripture to define what, what are those words, how are they used, what's the right way to kind of view those words. Okay, So we'll just jump right in. Right, We're going to talk about natural attributes or the, the attributes of his nature, his essence. What, what is God like? What does he consist of? Or um, So the first one right, we'll start off with is God is spirit. God is spirit. So our definition is that God is spirit. He's not, not specifically saying a spirit, but he's, he is spirit who does not have a corporeity or a physical form. Okay? A body localizes, but God is, as spirit is everywhere. He cannot be limited. Although God does not have a body, he is nonetheless a substance, but not material. Okay? So that's kind of a unique def- definition that different people may have have some issues with. But so before we get into the discussion, let's read a few verses where we find this. Okay. So if I, any, got any volunteers? Someone want to read, take John one eighteen? Ryan, you got that one? And then I need somebody for John four twenty four. Yes, Lisa. And Second Corinthians three seventeen. Okay, let's go. John one eighteen. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is the bo- bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Okay. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, and then second. Uh, what is the spirit? And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Yeah. So we see specifically it said there, right? God is spirit. The Lord is the spirit, right? And one thing about spirit, if you guys know, what are some other words or synonyms that when the Bible talks about the spirit, what is? What does he mean? In, just a reminder, like inspired. Remember what does what does inspired mean? God breathed, right? It's it's like a breath, like a wind. Um, if we flip back to Genesis, I was going to add one more. Genesis two. You guys want to flip back to Genesis two? Seven. So we're gonna get two seven. Let's go, Noah. Did the Lord God form the man of dust from the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life and the wind from the living creature? Yeah. So he breathed into the man the breath of life. So there's an essence there's a sense in which that idea of spirit is kind of equated with life, our breath. Is our life, our spirit, is our, is our life, in uh, in Genesis two seven. Okay. Also, so that's kind of on the positive side, and then Exodus twenty verse four. Right. You guys want to flip over there? You might know this one. You shall not make for yourself what? Image. Yeah, a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, or that's in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. 
and so on, right? So God did not want to be defined as having a certain image or form, right? He was, he was spirit. So, okay, so then things running up against that. So what do you think about some of these verses, right? God is spirit. What should we make of him walking in the garden, him having eyes or ears or hands? You're welcome to look up those verses if you would like to. What do we see going on there? Under his wings. So is he a person with wings or? Yeah, so. Maybe they're late. We'll give them give time to read them. Yeah. I think one thing when I was, you know, in preparation, you know, there's one um, obvious place where, okay, we say God doesn't have a body. No. Is there any place in which you'd say God does have a body? And I think um, when we talk about God and we talk about the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we see that, well, Jesus was God in the flesh. Right? And Jesus had a body, right? He became flesh, right? So um, we want to make sure that we kind of think through and not, not like exclude one thing. I say, no, 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 that God is only, only spirit in that sense. And then there's which says, um, talking about Jesus, put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that builds all in all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the church is, the, is also was like the, the body of Christ. Is that what you're... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we do know that, I, I think one of the key things, like if there's the essence in which God is not limited... To a body, that's one way to think about spirit. So, when you think about God, um, God is spirit. So, I guess, how does this um, impact our, like, I don't say just our daily life or our worship, knowing that God is not re- confined to a body, but knowing that He is spirit? What's what's the impact that has on us? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of this, um, some of these things, we'll we'll see how they kind of tie together, right? So the fact that he's spirit goes into the fact that he's omnipresent, right? He's he's everywhere. Um. Yeah, I, I think that's a 
really remarkable attribute in the ancient world where there was almost this understanding that like all the gods resided on the top of Mount Olympus. They had physical... They had physical beings and you were able, you accessed them by, it's like their idols were like a, you'd have an idol of one of them. It's like a closed circuit TV mm-hmm. where whatever you did for that idol somehow made its way to the gods mm-hmm. of Mount Olympus. And so yeah. it was always, I always had this belief that all the gods had a physical form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's almost like you could, as long as you were hiding from the physical form, you could hide from them. Yeah, yeah. I think too, um, this is something that also in our in our culture, kind of the the materialistic view of the universe. Um, so there's many that would reject, right, that if it's not physical, that it doesn't exist. Only what's physical um, is what's real, and there's not everything that exists is only that thing that's so like in terms of humanity there's no spirit or soul it's the functions of your brain that exists to yours so that kind of existence i think also it's beyond us making him up that he created us rather than we created him Mm -hmm. he's beyond our uh, comprehension and those attributes are just for help us to relate to understand but he made the space-time continuum. Mm-hmm. We didn't make him up. Yeah. He's beyond it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole beyond it. Beyond it. Beyond, uh, maybe transcendent. Yeah. Is it E-N-T or A? I don't know, people. Okay, we'll ask Google. Ask, maybe we can change it. Transcendent. Transcendent. This is a spelling test. It's uh, trans- transcendent. E? No. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, good job, English people. Okay. All right. So the controversy. All right. So he's spirit, right? He's spirit. And so that has to do with many things. He's outside of the physical world. He is able to be everywhere. There's a lot of implications of that. So uh, the next one, God is uh, the first of our omnis, right? Omnipotent, right? Simply means, simply put, this means that God is able to do all his holy will, and it enables him to do whatever he pleases. So Genesis 18, 14. Andrew, you want to get that one? Yeah. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Okay. And then Aiden, you want to get Jeremiah 32? Uh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, oftentimes it's phrased in this negative sense. Nothing. There's nothing that can't be done. There's nothing that's too difficult. In uh, Matthew, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So sometimes it's um, given as the positive, right? And so again, right, he's, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, so it kind of goes with this almighty. I think they talked about that a little bit, so it's like, well, can he, is he so powerful that he can make something that he can't do, right? Can, so there's like, you can kind of create these strange questions that we'll get to later on, but um, when you think about him being omnipotent, um, so think about how does that impact the way we view, say, difficulties and trials. 
we're going through. How would his omnipotence affect our our walk? Yeah, Chris? Yeah, so that it kind of can sometimes answer one question, right? Like, okay, God has total control. So then it's like, why? So you may you may be asked, why am I suffering? What's the purpose? Yeah, it is explained. It's because of this to produce this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When uh, one one of the explanations there, we look at Romans eight thirty eight and thirty nine. We're encouraged. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in Hebrews, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So there's no power, there's nothing that can separate us. So that gives us a lot of comfort, a lot of assurance. There's, there isn't. It's not like uh, God and Satan are battling over, and get, hopefully God will win. Right? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a certainty in that. What's uh, after omnipotent is omnipresent. So he does not have spatial dimensions, size, and is present at every point of space with his whole being, yet God acts differently in different places. Okay, this is kind of an interesting, interesting one. So let's let's read Jeremiah and Psalm. Andy, you got one of those? Sure, what you say. Okay, you got Jeremiah and, let's see. Jared, you, you with me back there, Jared? He's got it, he's ready. You get the Psalm, Psalm 139 one after Andy. Jeremiah 23:24. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? Declares the Lord. Okay. Psalm 139, 17:10. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. Yeah. So when I think about this, sometimes it can be, depending on the situation, the person, this can be a comforting thought and a fearful thought. I mean, wow, how can this be, how could this maybe be a, something fearful? You can't hide. You cannot hide. That's right. No matter where we go, I think as believers too, there's a sense in which, um, when we're sinning, it's almost like we believe we we lose our understanding of this. Right? Very rarely do we sin, thinking God is with me; He's present right now; He's watching my behavior. Right? So we kind of lose that that understanding. Forget it for a moment. Um, you guys know Proverbs eighteen one. You know it? You know it? I can know it. In Here we go. Let's see. Right? I 
think it, it got, kind of gets to the heart of kind of that lack of knowing God's omnipresent. I got it. Go. Proverbs 18.1 Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Yeah. Why, why do we isolate ourselves, right? We want, we're seeking our own selfish desires, raging against wise judgment. So we want to get away from all of those voices and those people who would be observing, right, to be able to do what we want without having any rebuke, any correction, any, any judgment. Any, okay. Um, and then how can it be, how can it be comforting? When are some when are some times where that's most right? Um, it's when we feel alone when we're going through trials, right? Even says in uh, Psalm thirty nine, if my make if I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there, right? And not only is he there in Psalm thirty nine, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will lay hold of me. So, here's a quote from uh, a theologian. When you wish to do something evil, you retire from the public into your house, where no enemy may see you. From those places of your house, which are open and visible to the eyes of men, you remove yourself into your room. Even in your room, you fear some witness from another quarter. You retire into your heart. There you meditate. He is more inward than your heart. Wherever, therefore, you shall have fled, there he is. From yourself, whither will you flee? Will you not follow yourself wherever you shall flee? But since there is one more inward even than yourself, there is no place where you may flee from God angry, but to God. They may flee from God angry, but to God reconciled. There is no place at all whither you may flee. Will you flee from him? Flee unto him. And I think that it's a good reminder. I think when we, um, one application I was thinking about is as parents, you kind of, you always want to watch over, protect, guard your kids, but you can't always be there um, protecting. And so there's a time in which as a parent, you, um, there's a trust and a comfort to know that when my kids are at school or when they're at some other place, God is there, he's present with them. And then I think, um, as they grow to be um, walking with the Lord and trying to encourage them, there's a sense in which um, teaching them and knowing that God's presence is always with there, out there with them. Yeah, I think I've always, like, omnipresence, I always think of it in the, you better watch out sense, right? <laughs> right. Like, God knows what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like the, the twist at the end. Will you flee from him, flee unto him. That means you can, in your distress, mm-hmm. you're you're never alone. You can always call out to him. He's always there. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes I think when when we have that mindset where we forget God's omnipresence, at least what I do is, if I've um, felt dis- distant from him, I've I've acted sin- sinfully. Um, I think that he's far away, right? And I have to like prodigal son make my way back and return and make this long journey 
in essence, he's there the whole time, in the sense that there's no physical distance that needs to be passed. And so that, I think oftentimes, it's uh, becoming, a, God's Spirit kind of helps me become aware of the truth that I've forgotten, in the sense that I've been here, you know, the whole time with you through these, these trials. So you have, he's, he's all-powerful, he's present everywhere, and then we get he's omniscient. So God knows all things, actual, possible, you could also say past, present, and future. God knows all things. This is a quote from Tozer again. God knows instantly and effortlessly all matters, all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motions, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. Because God knows all things perfectly, he knows nothing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He's never surprised, never amazed. He never wonders about anything, nor, except when drawing men out of their, for their own good, does he seek information or ask questions okay so where where are some places where we see this scriptural support so psalm 147 4 he counts the number of the stars he gives names to all of them and i have no idea we're going to google number of stars google the number of stars because we have the same thought how many what is the approximate number of stars there you okay. go. More than 10, I'm guessing. <laughs> okay, I've got a number here. 200 billion trillion. 200 billion. Billion trillion. So that is actually... So that's 200 sextillion. I don't know, somewhere in there. Uh, looks like we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sets of threes, and then two, and more. Then two more. Okay, we did it. Did you get that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Way to go, man. Come on, come on. <laughs> That's a lot of stars. Is that like in all, or like in our universe, in our galaxy? Period. Like. Period. Okay, cool. That's, a, that's an estimate. It grows, yeah, it's not, it, grows, it could be plus or minus. <laughs> plus or minus a couple hundred trillion. <laughs> it's, um, could be off by a little bit. Right. Yeah, 200 billion trillion. That's a lot of unique names. Think about trying to name your fifth child, is right? Like, what do I name it? Like, okay, what's number? This, that's a lot of names. Okay. Counts them. He knows their number, exact number. Yeah, in our galaxy, there's 100 billion stars. Yeah, 
Yeah. There you go. It's manageable. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely mind-boggling to think about the the distance between what what God knows and what we can what we can conceive of. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that they have 200 billion to 100 billion. I mean, it's just what's the point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they came up with some estimation. There's some way, right? Yeah, that's incredible. It's a lot of stars. It's a lot of stars. Yeah. And so sometimes it's like, well, okay, he definitely knows me, you know, or if he, if he knows that. Psalm 139, 16, we were in Psalm 139 just a bit ago, right? Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were, writ- were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them, right? And um, Acts 15, 18 says, the Lord who makes these things known from long ago, right? So it's not just the present state of knowing all things. It's the state of knowing all things past, all things future. Right. I have other stats if you want to. Oh, maybe did the best, pick the best. Okay. Okay. How many, how many cells are in the human body? Oh, no. 200 million billion. No, less than that. 100 trillion cells are in the 100 human body. 100 trillion. How many atoms are in the human body? Oh, why? <laughs> more than that. More than 100 trillion. 6.5 octillion. That's, not That's one. That sounds fun. That's basically six followed by nine sets of three. Okay. A lot of zeros. So you look at just a human body and how much. I mean. Yeah. So we're basically like this whole stars like an atom mm-hmm. in the universe like it's like one star in the universe is similar to like an atom in our body so yeah. is that what you're saying yeah so kind of mind-boggling it is so it'd be like you you naming every cell in your body yeah times you know yeah, you guys didn't know you were going to be doing math homework. Mind-blowing. On the day that we lost an hour. On the day that you lost an hour, which is you lost 60 minutes or 3,000. I don't know. They're just massive scale. Yeah, I mean, like, when you think about his omniscience, I think not only does it affect your... Your daily, you know, walk, walk, and your reading through scripture. But the one question I think is good is like, how does that affect our prayers, our prayer life? What does that, how does that affect when you are seeking God in prayer, knowing that He's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, knowing all things? Like, what's the point of prayer? Right? Is it to tell God something He doesn't already know? No. How does that affect the way, the reason that we pray, and how we pray?
Yeah, it's an amazing thing that God wants us. Like, obviously for our good, right? He, he wants us to pray, not because he needs to, needs to know, you know, our needs. Right? He already kn- we know in Scripture it says he knows what we need before we ask, right? But he wants us to pray. He wants us to talk to him for our good, to sit and to meditate and to think through and communicate with him. I think there's kind of another element, too, where, um, like when Nathan was talking about lament mm-hmm. last week, um, I think some, some of the thoughts I sometimes have with the concept of lament are like, is it okay to say that? Mm-hmm. But the fact that I'm saying, is it okay to say that, means I'm already thinking right. about what I'm thinking about I'm going to say. Yeah. So why hide it since he knows yeah. it anyway? Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think there's, I think it kind of forces honesty with God mm-hmm. because you can't even hide those thoughts that you're ashamed of from Him. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think um, we go. I go from a place where it's like, okay, in that, like, okay, how should I pray? How should I phrase this? Right? How do I say <laughs> it? In a, yeah. Like, okay, God already knows that. So I go from Him believing that he doesn't really know everything to, okay, he knows everything. But then, I think sometimes it's even beyond that where it's like, God knows me better than I know myself. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm completely honest about what I think, how I feel, I don't really understand all of that in the way that he does. So sometimes that prayer can allow him to help me see and understand things about my not just my life externally but my own thought processes that I'm blind to so there's that that omniscience he knows you much much better than you know yourself I was I saw an interesting I uh, just made me think of this the other day where it was a you know a Christian apologist and a person they were talking about how um, in Romans that all people there all people believe God exists and that God's revealed it to them and he said well I'm a counterexample to that because I don't believe God exists. He said, and so he said, I know that you say that and you think that you don't. Maybe, maybe you believe that, but I think that the Bible, that God knows you better than you know yourself, that you're not actually, don't actually understand what you believe and what you don't and why you would say something like that. And so many times that omniscience can have a deeper, like you said, it, make, it humbles us gives us a greater humility when approaching God and the scripture because it may say something that's like, I don't know if that's, you know, is that really me? And then it's like, oh, well, if it says that it's true about me, that must be, that must be true. And I think we kind of talked about it a little bit. So, you know, that affects how should we live, especially when no one's looking, right? We know that God is aware of all those things. Um, let's turn to Luke real quick as well. Luke eight, uh, Luke chapter eight. I thought of this passage from Jesus, and sixteen and seventeen. No one, after lighting the lamp, covers it with a jar. Or puts it under a bed, but puts it on the stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. 
So there's this sense in which, right, there, there really isn't, there really aren't any secrets. There may be temporary times when you're unaware of something, but everything's secret, everything hidden. God brings to light, God makes it known. He's, he's always aware of it. Sometimes we, for a time, aren't aware of it, but it eventually. So that definitely affects our, our walk and our... It's hard to comprehend because everything we discover or learn, and God doesn't either one of those things. Mm-hmm. And we serve a God that doesn't operate that way. So it's hard to comprehend those two things. Or have you ever thought about like something changes in your life, right? And it's like totally different from then on, and then you go back and think, God knew this was going to happen, you know, 10 years before. Sometimes that makes me wonder too, because you sometimes you when you we talk about trials, it helps me looking back. Oh, God used that trial to do this, 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 and right. I can see it, and over time, it becomes more explained. You think God always kind of will reveal all those things in our life as to why they happened, or you think there's. You're shaking your head, right? No. Right. Let it well know until we're in his presence. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know it to us. That's right, yeah. And some things we might never know, right? There's definitely things we won't know here on earth. And to that extent, we won't know it like God knows it. Right, right. There are things that we can learn and grow in for eternity, right? But never reach that same way of knowing things. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Um, I went to um, that church that we've been hosting that grief share. Oh, yeah. On Thursday night. And uh, the last one I went to kind of dealt with the question of why, like when people lose a loved one. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to know why and why yeah. it happened. And, um <laughs> And one of the things that kind of came out is even if you knew why it happened, that wouldn't bring them back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so there is a certain mystery where, um, and I think you know, even even in heaven, there's going to be a knowledge gap between us and the Lord, where mm-hmm. we'll never know the fullness of why mm-hmm. a lot of things took place. Well, maybe have a better understanding, but there's just room for transcendence, and yeah. And I think that's why you know a lot of people when they demand answers from God that. It's on. If I can't figure out God, then He must not be real. Mm-hmm. Which is the exact opposite reasoning from Scripture, which is because mm-hmm. you can't figure Him out, He is real. Yeah. And not so they manufactured. Right. I know that's kind of two observations conflated in one, but you know. We got. It's good. It's good. I think sometimes what I hear. Um, Kind of one of my one of my hobbies is I do like to listen to kind of that debate and the atheistic Christian and like with trying to understand the way that they they phrase it and one oftentimes they will try and um, there's a man will try and say that that God as a it's almost like a human creation meant to explain right to give an explanatory power we have to believe in God because then it explains and so there's a common objection that says well that doesn't really explain things because you've created something that's infinitely more complex than the thing that you're trying to explain. 
And so that's often a point of conflict where if you have that kind of um, objection, the person is not really understanding the type of God that you're presenting. Um, you're not presenting a God that's, well, if you view this, then that explains all the mysteries of the world. It's, the, it's kind of the opposite. That there's, We're saying that God is infinitely beyond our, our full comprehension. He is. In, and so many times it's like... Um, we, you could say, well, we, I don't believe in that God either, the one that you're talking about, right? We have a different, different view, a different, different God from Scripture. So, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, and then eternal. Let's get eternal. I think out of all of these, um, out of these, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, this might, for me, this might be the hardest one to put my mind all the way around is this right he never had a beginning nor will he die but his existence extends endlessly backwards and forwards through every moment of time okay and um, so we have a few a few passages three or four passages here that we can see that so Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. So how does that speak to God's eternality? If you were talking with someone and they said, well, that, that, how does that have to say anything about God being eternal? Yeah, and it, there's there's a little bit of a, you know, whether you view him as existing forever within time or separate or apart from time, that's kind of a little bit of a debate as well, right? Is he, is he always existed past, present, future, or is he somehow outwardly looking at time? That's, that's a debate, but he is. That's basically the point, right? He is. Um, it's not like he was or he... Um, will come to be or there was a time he just is he's constantly exists before the mountains were born where you gave birth to the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting you are God right the from everlasting right kind of that pointing backwards eternity past and to everlasting kind of eternity forwards and then Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. This is interesting. So why? Does this, does this tell us not just that God knows the future, but why does he know the future? He's declared it. Yeah, he's declared it. And so not only is he... Right, he knows it, and he brings it to pass. Right? He's, um, he's powerful. Mm -hmm. 
And he's declared what will happen, and he's able to do all that he desires. And so if he declares it, it will happen and take place. Mm-hmm. He has a, a plan, and it's good, and he will accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And I think that oftentimes um, we can see that in the theology of, of trying to um, explain explain or helps frame the scriptures in terms of um, God wasn't like trying to figure out what to do as man made mistake after mistake after mistake. So in the big picture or even in the small term, it's not like, oh, I messed something up. So now God's able to figure out how to, how to make do with that mistake. So there's many, many passages. Can you guys think of passages where biblical characters or um, verses where it talks about how something seemed to be a disaster, but God uses it for his purpose and his plan. Yeah. So that was, and who was that speaking? She was like, I know this, but just just think, think through it. Yeah. Joseph talking to, and he was talking to his brothers. Yeah. Right. They were fearful what's Joseph going to do now that our father's passed away? And he explains, you know, you meant this for evil, God meant this for good. And we see it in the New Testament in Acts. You guys flip to Acts towards the beginning. So Peter gives this sermon, right, at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come. He's speaking. He quotes from Joel. And then in verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So he... He holds those two together. You committed this great evil in crucifying Jesus. But we know that he was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And so it definitely pushes against our understanding to to know how can those two things happen. But we see it clearly affirmed in Scripture that man acts out of evil intent and that is a part of God's definite plan in terms of the redemption of humanity and the crucifixion of Jesus and the working of saving the people of Egypt. There's many, many places we can see that. Uh, there's one we see it all even at the end uh, of Scripture and Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who is and who was and who is to come. So we get all three of them there, right? I'm past, present, future. This, right? What's the Alpha and the Omega significant? Why is that significant? Yes, beginning, beginning and the end there. Right, and so, right, the attribute answers the question, who created God with nobody, right? The eternality of God means that he exists for all time with no inception or termination. In addition, a comforting ramification of God's eternity is the, that confidence that God has never, nor will he ever cease to exist. Therefore, his sustaining providential control of all things and events is assured. So out of, I guess out of all these,
any of those that are particularly, um, I guess, comforting or any that are particularly challenging right, to understand? For me, omnipotence is probably the most comforting because mm-hmm. I always know that God will wield His power mm-hmm. in good ways. But omniscience is probably the most challenging. Well, the hardest one for me personally, just knowing that He knows my thoughts and better than I do, and mm-hmm. the depths of my sin more than I do, and, mm-hmm. and is always aware of the fullness of it. Yeah, one thing that with omniscience that I ask oftentimes is uh, you know, he knows, he already has everything's already you know, planned out and he'll, he knows past, he knows the current, everything present, so that whole why question, right, why you know, and it, for me that's probably the one that most um, kind of points back to the purpose when you think about why, why did God create, right, he knows everything, that, it's not like let's so he knows everything that's going to happen. And so just thinking about life in terms of a way, it, it, it's a way that he chose to, um, to share his glory or to be glorified, right? He created the universe, he created all mankind, knowing exactly how it would happen. And over and over in scripture, we see that why did he do that, right? He did it for his glory. And so, as a human being, I'm a creature that's been created to enjoy and love this God, and he gave me the opportunity through that creation to experience and see and love and glorify him and reflect back to him his greatness, right? And we'll talk about more of his characteristics, uh, you know, the next time, but this, this uh, just the fact that he didn't need to do that, I think, gives me even greater comfort, right? He didn't need any of us to glorify him, but he did it, and he shared his his goodness with us in a way that we can be, we can know him, we can love him, we can be with him, and so it's amazing. So we made it through. We made it through most of his nature, and we'll talk about his his unlimited his infinite nature and his unchangeable nature next time and then we'll move to his moral maybe more of his moral attributes okay guys did great for being starting at uh, an hour earlier so i'll close this in prayer lord god i pray that as we study your attributes and who you are that you would stretch um, our minds to understand that you would create in our understanding um, just new ways to glorify you, new ways to see you. And I pray that you would remind us of those attributes um, through every moment and hour of our day and of our life, and that they would become a part of our worship of who you are. And I pray that we would be a light that would share these attributes with those around us in the world where um, those it's filled with people who, who hate you, who reject you, but that your light and your goodness may not be um, may not be overcome by the darkness. And just give you thanks for this morning, for your scriptures, and pray that your Holy Spirit continually draws closer to you and and in worship. In your name. Amen.